I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Shore. 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the GAR, brought to you by Sure 72-hour protection. You'll be delighted to know that I've got Niall McIntyre with me, as always, but you'll be extra delighted to know that we've got a really special guest, one of the top footballers at the Intercounty game right now, Ryan O'Donoghue. Ryan, how's it going? How's things, lads? Thanks for having me. No, uh, brilliant for you to come on. Um, now, obviously... You would rather have been playing last weekend. Um, maybe we weren't in the championship anymore, but were you still able to enjoy it? What was a great weekend of football? Ah, yeah, of course. I, I love watching any any type of sport. Wimbledon was on as well. I had it on the phone. But um, yeah, look, two great games. I think for the majority of people thought that Dublin and Kerry were just going to walk it. But to be fair to Monaghan and Derry, there was times in the, the second half where they both could have, could have pushed on. But in the end, uh, Dublin and Kerry won and were in for a cracker Sunday week. No, we are indeed. Um, we will obviously get into the big games, but we're going to talk about you just for a little bit. You're still playing with the club, playing yesterday. How did it go? Yeah, yeah, we beat Crossman Line in the, the league quarterfinals, so I went back playing straight away. I played against Bershu last weekend in the, the last group game, so it's nice to move on pretty quickly, not dwelling on, on the past, and um, it's nice to get back to the club, playing with my mates, playing with my brother, he's playing as well, so it's nice to get back to Bill Mullich, yeah. Mm-hmm. And people might not know that GAA wasn't necessarily your first love in terms of sport. Uh, you were a good wee boxer when you were younger as well. I, I read somewhere that you were running the roads at six in the morning on the way to school. How did that all come about? Yeah, so that was when I was 11, boy one. I was only 33 kilos, pretty small back then. Still am pretty small, but um, a bit bigger now. But yeah, my dad, before primary school, used to both of us used to get up and he used to drive behind me in the Berlingo van and I used to run a mile and a mile up and a mile back before school and then get ready to school, go to school and run home again from school and then go to training. So um, our boxing taught me a lot of self-discipline and I, I keep a lot of it with me in my own training and nowadays. But um, yeah, I boxed for, for three years, won an Irish title in my boy one year, lost the All-Ireland final then two years in a row, boy two and boy three, actually the same fella. <coughs> But um, yeah, I was. I look back on it in fond memories. The the making the weight though was absolutely killer. Like being thirty three kilos, I wasn't that much. I didn't have much on me at that stage, and I was probably natural weight thirty four. And like just just making the weight was an absolute killer. And I suppose that's really what what turned me off. But in the end, three years of that was just was was really tough, especially only a small kid. But um, I really enjoyed it. My dad was my coach as well, so. Uh, I look back at it with, with fond memories. Oh, yeah, I think I think people don't maybe understand how, how hard it is with the weight loss because obviously you're playing football at the minute. You probably like carb load the day before matches, eat loads of things. But with with boxing, you're in like a negative energy balance because you're starving yourself and training like relentlessly. Now the, the training's quite addictive and it's really fun, but when you're starving, it, it is quite miserable. Yeah, especially when you're only a kid and the All Ireland final weeks. If any boxers listen to it, they know it's um, East the week after Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I used to never be able to eat Easter eggs like and everyone around, all the cousins. That was one thing when I finished, I stuffed my face the, the following year because I knew I'd never be able to do it. But yeah, like all my teammates know, my diet when I came in was literally, when I was minor in 2016, Julo Arcator used to just literally make me plain pasta and plain chicken because when I was 11, 12, 13, 14, like that's all I ate. 
I like I just didn't like any sauces and then the calories and that that was just uh, the easiest way and I kind of got into an old routine of that and eventually through nutritionist Evan Regan our nutritionist now over the last couple of years I've I've diversed because I had to and to be able to put on size and stuff like that to be able to compete at the intercounty level but yeah as a, as a kid trying to make the way that you see all the UFC guys on, on YouTube and McGregor and <coughs> all these guys making making the way that's it's the hardest part of, of combat sport is, is making the weight, but there is an adrenaline rush of boxing in the ring and sparring against your mate in the club and then obviously getting the to fight at the weekend is, is the highlight of it all. It's a bit like bit like football, but um it's you and yourself in there. And um yeah, the the weight was tough but it's 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 pretty exciting. And I know you didn't box at senior level, but if you were and if you don't mind me asking weight wise, but what what would you have had to fight at now if you if you were to go back into the ring like if you had to get down to the weight well there was there was a period evan had me putting on four and five kilos and i was eating eating nearly four thousand calories calories a day compared to what it was back <coughs> then but probably around the the low 70s probably but now i'm in and around 79 80 kilos but um as all boxers know you're trying to go that the, the weight below your natural weight because mm-hmm. um just to be that bit stronger but um, yeah, probably the low seventies. Um, but you look at from McConnell, I think is only fifty nine kilos, yeah. and like look at the shape that fella's in. Yeah. So um, actually, the fella I beat in the boy one final, James McGivern, mm-hmm. he's a pro boxer now. I think he actually from has Belfast. a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought, beat him in the in the the all Ireland final that that day, and <laughs> he's gone on to be a pro boxer. So you're calling um, him out? Yeah, <laughs> no, rematch? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Them days are long gone. Um, when well, it, you, when it's sorry. when it's um, four thousand calories a day, just one thing, because I know I've been trying. I, sometimes I'd be trying to, you know, put on a bit of condition, and you're force feeding, and you're going up from a small amount when you're younger. Like, what are you eating, and how are you how are you even getting that in? Yeah, so the the optimum nutrition oat gainers. So like, it was literally three scoops of them three times a day, and they were they were eleven hundred calories each. And then you're trying to get your breakfast, lunch, and dinner on top of that, and then you're like trying to have rice cakes with peanut butter and all the good things that are that have loads of calories that are good. You're not going to the takeaway or the supermax and getting yeah. a <laughs> and getting a pizza or something like that. But um, Evan Regan is brilliant, and he literally has everything out in a plate for us to to, to follow. And uh, now it was tough, and you had to gym on top of that. And I was in playing with UL at the time, and it was hard to balance all that. But it's a uh, it's like the apprenticeship you nearly have to go through to 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 reach the demands of intercounty football these days, um, and yeah, it was tough. But I tell you, it's a lot easier to do that than <laughs> try and lose five kilos. Yeah. Isn't it mad that at twelve, eleven, that you'd be thinking about your weight at boxing? Like that's just yeah. alien to me. Like no, it is. Yeah, and like I, I still I coach at a boxing club and getting the kids right. You you really gotta talk to them, you know, because you don't want to give them. Uh, issues that they're going to have later on in life but at the same time you don't want them going up against someone that's twice their size and they get hurt or they get you know put off the that, sport that, that was that was basically the main reason I lost weight like I was not big at all and um, like the stories we in the Broadhaven Bay Hotel at home we have a sauna and like I'd go to train and you'd be wearing the the plastic bin bags on each leg plastic mm-hmm. bag up here cotton t-shirts everything and then there was a flannery lady working in the Broadhaven Bay and it would close at 9 o'clock and I'd finish training 10 minutes earlier go out to the hotel and sleep in the sauna for a 20 minute nap while she was cleaning the while she was cleaning the dress rooms and dad is setting an alarm and I'd go in there and try to sweat this is now not every week this is the week of making weight and try to sweat every last bit out of me like this is only 11 12 years of age but uh, it wasn't torture now. It wasn't <laughs> child torture or <laughs> yeah. anything, but it was all um it was all relative. But um yeah, there was went to went to big big depths to, to try and make the weight. But it's it's standing to me now. I think I've I learned a lot from that. Is that the thing then when you do make the weight that is it like a day before the fight you're weighed and then you can kind of fill up? Or would would you eat a good bit then or what way would you do it? So there was a Mayo's, the Connacht's and then the All Ireland, so it was usually end of February end of March and then the week after Easter usually April time and I wasn't no not really uh, you wouldn't be able to bulk up because you'd be so you, you'd weigh in maybe on the Monday mm-hmm. and then you might box you might box Monday this is the All-Ireland final week but you always had to weigh the morning of the final for the All-Ireland right. so but then for the Mayos you might weigh on the Saturday and you might box on the Saturday and the Sunday and then you might not box for the final for the following week but you'd be fine but you'd have to get it down again for the Connacht Championships in two mm-hmm. weeks so it wasn't worth the only pe- person that was suffering if I bulked up was me I'd have to lose it all again so yeah. Yeah. it was just about keeping it 
level as much. It's it's, it's almost good. depressing. Like I, I last competed, it was 2019 in the Ulsters, and it um you weighed in on the Sunday, and then depending on the draw, you'd be in the quarterfinal on the Monday. And if you win that, you're fighting again on Wednesday, so you have to make weight again the morning after your fight. And you know, and after your fight, yeah. you're obviously starving and yeah. whatever. So yeah, yeah. it puts you off it very quick. I, I won't be rushing back anytime soon. But um, you, got, you just got to respect like the, the oh, effort yeah. and. I know there's a lot of rewards for it in that, but like for me, I think the toughest sport in the world is is boxing number one, and UFC and them type of sports because you're by yourself. Obviously, the highs are high, but the lows are pretty low. I remember mm-hmm. losing that all Ireland final in boy two and boy three, like, and it, it was great in boy one and everyone celebrating around. You. I was on eleven or twelve, like mum and dad having a few few beers and the coaches and that, and then boy two boy three, you're just coming down that road back to Balmullet four hours, and it's just you in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. By yourself, like so, it's you got to respect all them them boxers and that that making them wait and and everything. It's a it's a tough tough sport. Yeah, when, when you are used to training like that from a young age, like football training must be like what it, whatever you're asked to do, it must come a lot easier to you. Um, yeah, definitely. As in, there's boys around you suffering too. There was times where I was suffering by myself, and it's you look around and Dad is the only one standing there, and he was drinking a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, like, and you're. You're you're suffering, sweating, sweating buckets. But um, I know it's it's it's. Uh, I've definitely taken stuff from that that I'll carry with me for for the rest of my career. The self discipline and just doing things when no one's watching you, like gym work. When no one, when I'm by myself, back down in the Ben Mullet gym or in Galway or wherever I'm doing the gym work. Um, there's no point pretending you're doing stuff because the only person you're hindering is yourself. So mm-hmm. that's definitely I've taken taken from the boxing. And then, and then you went from boxing and you played soccer at a pretty decent level. You played for Sligo Rovers. Um, at what point did the crossroads come and you had to pick Gaelic football and, and, and how did it come about? Yeah, so I was 17 when I got the call up to the Sligo Rovers under-19 squad and played with them for, for two seasons. And this was 2015. And then out of that, I actually got three caps for the Irish schoolboys, um, which I'm very proud of. I have the, the captain at home and the in the mantelpiece and played for them for, for well a season and a half and then in 2016 obviously I was minor <laughs> and um, that crossroads kind of came when I realised I wasn't good enough to, to go across the pond and over to England and make it and uh, that realisation hit pretty quick when you're coming up against teams Shamrock Rovers and Bows and they were top quality and do you know as, as a kid I suppose I had two dreams the first dream was to play for Liverpool <laughs> And then the second dream is, is still well and truly alive to win all Ireland with Mayo. Um, but the first dream shattered pretty quickly when I realised I wasn't good enough and always wanted to go to college and get a, an education. And at times, if you put all your eggs into to soccer, you're not quite able to do that. So after talking with a lot of people around me, my mum and dad, I made the decision in 2016 to go back and play, play a minor for Mayo. And I suppose I've never really looked back since. No, not at all. And um, I suppose 2021 really was your big breakout year. Um, you got the sort of starting position under James Horn. Killian O'Connor uh, suffered a really bad injury that year and he'd been taking the freeze for like the whole decade before. And now suddenly, almost overnight, you're the star corner forward for Mayo and you're taking the freeze. How, how did that even come about? Did you stick your hand up and say, I'll take the freeze? Did James Horn know that you were a free taker? Um, well, actually, I was. I took the freeze for the minors uh, in sixteen, but in the under twenties run that we went on to get to the final, um, I wasn't the free taker. But I had been practicing. I was taking them from Belmullet. Um, but yeah, uh, to be honest with you, after that game down in Clare where Killian done his Achilles, I went up to James and I said, "Look, I'm putting myself forward. I, I want to take the freeze. If it was obviously his decision." And to be fair, Killian helped me. Uh, big time like there was voice notes back and over done a few kicking sessions with him just in terms of how to deal with a miss how to deal with the crowd and all that and I wouldn't be the, the free taker I am today if it wasn't for Killian like and he's been unlucky pretty unlucky with the pa- injuries the past couple of years Um, but James had, had faith in me and um, thankfully they went pretty well in, in 21 and um, gone pretty well so far but yeah Killian was definitely a big help he passed on his his knowledge straight down to me because that's just the type of teammate and type of person he is. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of people who would be listening to this would be maybe free takers themselves at their club, county, whatever, underage. Um, what advice would you give them or is there anything that Killian told you like that just always stayed with you in, in, in terms of practising your free? Yeah, well, what I learned from a young age from Michael Fitzmaurice, he was their uh, academy coach in Mayo and it's a bit like golf. 
everything is about routine as a free taker because you can be taking it in your back garden, kicking over the plastic goals, or you can be taking a free in all Ireland final against Tyrone or, or Dublin or whatever. Um, and if your routine is the same, it doesn't matter the external noise or the conditions or the period in the game. So the number one thing I would say is having a routine and sticking to that routine, whether it's kicking a ball out in the back of the back of the pitch, back of the pitch in, in your home club or in Crow Park, it's, it still should be the same. And and then it's just all about whatever works for you, ball placement, like you see the way Clifford kicks the ball, he kicks the ball hand out here, then mm. there's other players who kick it in, kicking from here. I find having the ball out and kicking the middle of the ball, you're able to get more trajectory. I struggled um, when I was younger, kicking the ball from here, and it was less consistent. So back to your point, the, the two main things I would I would say, number one is the routine, because just that should never change. And then ball placement, when you're releasing the ball from your hand uh, to your foot, is, is what I found was a big stepping stone for me. Because obviously in open play, you can't dictate that mm-hmm. with the pace you're running at when you're getting uh, getting tackled by some of the best defenders in the game. That that's not a, an option you have, but as, from a free taking point of view, you can control that, and yeah, that really helped me. Well, that year was a huge success in the terms that like you sort of were thrust into this position of being the main man up front. You were the top scorer for Mayo that year. You got an All Star that year. Reached the All Ireland final, and you haven't really looked back since. But uh, we need to talk about this season. It started off brilliantly under Kevin McStay, uh, league champions. Got big championship wins against the likes of Kerry, Galway, huge. Um, but then against Dublin at half time, even though Dublin were winning, I think all the pundits on the Sunday game, me watching it, sort of, it still feels like it's Mayo of the, of the upper hand in this game. What what happened from your perspective? Yeah, I, I can I definitely agree with that. I think myself, I was pretty happy going into half time. I thought although we'd conceded the goal, and I think we reacted very well from the goal. Um, I thought we were the better team going into half time even though we were a point down Kevin had always said before the game that look it's going to be a point over point down at half time so we knew that and then yeah look I think we think we thought that we were going to do to Dublin what we'd done to Galway the week before scoring 1-5 without reply and unfortunately that just didn't happen and the most disappointing thing out of that whole defeat is that we didn't give a true reflection of ourselves on the day look we had a great year uh, Kevin Rachi, Doney, Liam and Damien coming in was was great. New slate. We bled new blood. Sam Callan, a great year, Bob Two, he got minutes. Um Dave McBride his first proper season. Like we, 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 we had a really, really good year and got a lot of a lot of positives out of it. But just to, to end like that was a bit disappointing that we didn't didn't really give a true reflection of ourselves um in that second half. Of course. And and then I suppose no no manager and no team really knew how to knew for sure anyway how to deal with the new format because it's no one's ever done it before um do you think in the end not topping the group and having to play the three games in a row was a consequence because we look at mayo we look at galway we look at drone all had to do them extra games three weeks on the bounce galway didn't even make it to the third week and just tired did you feel the 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 impacts of the previous game um i wouldn't say i felt the impacts but i do think the three weeks in a row was definitely going to be a tough a tough ask for anyone uh, Damien Comer even said it yesterday on the Sunday game mm-hmm. like Kevin had always alluded to the two week break keeping everything and then obviously not beating Cork was was a killer we just didn't execute our our <coughs> plan in the in the second half but yeah the three weeks in a row really is tough especially after tough group games as well in, in a short period of time but look that was the reward we knew that going into the group stage that, that was the that was the way it was and we had it in our own hands against Cork but as I said, we just didn't execute what we wanted to do in that second half against Cork when we were in such a good position. But um, yeah, the three weeks in a row were tough. But uh, look, we knew that going in, so it was our own fault. And um, yeah, w- whatever it is next year, we'll just have to go with it. But um, three weeks in a row was, was definitely definitely mm-hmm. tough, but it was our own fault anyway. Um, la- last question on this season. Uh, what would be the main differences you noticed in Kevin McStay coming in compared to maybe James Horn? It's not even... What's better or worse? Just what's what's different? I wouldn't say there's that that much difference. Um, maybe Kevin Kevin has has four underneath him in terms of Rachi, Doney, Liam, and Damien. And Liam Michael is a great background in basketball, bringing a lot of different stuff like backdoor cuts and different analogies through through basketball, um, which which is pretty interesting. And then James like had one of the best uh, forwards to ever play the game, Kieran McDonald, um, under him, which was which was great insight for me and I learned a lot off him. So I think they were pretty similar, both 
both Mayo men, both really proud Mayo men, and James obviously gave me my my debut and played 2021 was probably my most enjoyable year, both club and county, and, and James was a part of that. So really enjoyed playing with James, and then Kevin has a four-year tenure now, and um, we have a really good good bunch of players there, and blood another or bled another a lot of new blood this year. So really looking forward to to getting going again next year. No, absolutely. But we haven't finished this season just yet. Uh, yesterday was a massive game, Kerry v Derry. Now you were <laughs> at this match. What well, I mean, it, it was enthralling to watch on the TV. What was it like being there in Crook Park? Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable, um, Lee. Like the first half, you might have been expecting maybe. You know, Derry might be a bit tentative. They might um, sit back a small bit and mightn't be bombing forward like like they did. But there was no. I suppose Kerry contributed to it as well that they pushed up um, on Derry, put them under pressure, and Derry responded and had one eleven kick to half time, and you know they were they were on fire. Um, Kerry were they were hanging in there um, through some moments of genius. I was watching David Clifford and Chrissy McCaig. I was watching their battle all day, and it was it was Clifford that probably was keeping. Um, Kerry in the game with just some unbelievable scores really while McCaig was putting them under pressure um, but no uh, just a brilliant brilliant occasion and, and a hugely entertaining game I suppose and um, that was the best thing about it I know there was only there was 43,000 which was a bad crowd to be there mm-hmm. but it sounded like and when the game was getting exciting it sounded like the place was full it was um, it, it was very exciting Yeah the, the Chris McCaig v David Clifford battle was something that was talked a lot about you know, in the in the lead up to it, when everyone knew that was going to be the matchup, how do you stop Clifford? You don't really. Um, you just try to slow him down, I suppose. I thought Chris McCaig was interesting. Um, he didn't seem to commit till blocks, I suppose, because he's so afraid, as as any defender would be, of of the sort of Clifford bounce. So you're nearly better letting him get the shot away, but getting as close to him as possible, rather than him selling you. And then he's got all the space in the world to get a shot. Like I know you're not a defender, but I mean, what what what? How do you even prepare for a David Clifford? Yeah, look, that's a, that's the million dollar question, <laughs> isn't it? But um, like at times, Clifford McCaig was literally right on top of him, and he had his hand in his chest at one stage, and he still got the the score away. I remember just in that game down in Clarney against him, Dave McBride was literally right up on top of him, and Davy is a big man as well, but he's still up in the air. It's, I think it's his reach and his his, the, the, his arm span and the way he's able to get the ball to the foot so quick and the power in that leg, but. Yeah, look, that's the that's the million dollar question. Look, you just got to contain them. I think you're nearly writing off eight points nearly straight away between mm-hmm. freezing scores. I mean, what did you get yesterday? Nine, I think. Nine, yeah. So, like, I think he got eight against us as well, and he's probably getting that on average every game now. So it's just about containing them rather than stopping them and and trying to stop the the ball into them because him and Paddy once they once they click, they're they're very hard stopped. Mm-hmm. You'd be used to that, Ryan, I suppose, having a lad man marking you, and just watching David yesterday. At times he can kind of, if the ball isn't coming or if, you know, if there's a bit of a, if it's all slow out in the middle of the field, he'll kind of, he'll go walking out the field and he'll, he'll act as if he's not too interested. And then he just comes alive when someone, if there's a small break. And all the while, one of the main things I noticed was that he kept, he was like the orchestrator. He was directing Point every time. carry attack, like pointing, you you pass the ball here. Or like telling the lad if he's run with the ball, like keep coming, keep coming, and he, and McCaig, like it's so tough the job he had at times when the ball was outside. McCaig had his back turned to the play and was just looking at Clifford where he's going to go. Um, he obviously got caught off the ball, like and his like McCaig was not dirty on him or, or by any means. Mm-hmm. Like he was fair and even at the handshake at the very start, he doesn't go in and jostle him straight away. He just shakes hand, stands in. But it's that is that it, Ryan? That in an instant, you're kind of you're maybe feigning a bit of disinterest, and then you just like he go a little dummy, and he's gone, and then he has the ball. Yeah, that was the free in the first half. He looked disinterested, was going away, going away, backdoor cut. Then and McKeg pulls his pulls his jersey and get the free in. But yeah, look, you're trying to remember Andy Moore used to say like you're waiting until the defender takes his eye off you to look where the ball is, and then that's when you make your move. But um, yeah, McKeg's probably up there. With, probably the best one-on-one defender at the moment in, in the country 
and I think he done the best job on Clifford all year, and he still still kicks nine points. Like, mm. but um, yeah, Clifford's off the ball movement, as is like Conor Callan is pretty much similar. It's off the ball movement is crazy, and McGuigan yesterday as well. He got a got a bit yeah. of a battering. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that was a free though, and a yellow card on David Clifford. I think that was a fair enough shoulder, but maybe in real time, look, it was, it was hard to call, but. Um, yeah, some of the one-on-one battles yesterday, and and definitely the day before with McManus having a having a world-class performance and rolling back the years on on Saturday as well was was good to see. No, it was, and listen, I mean, we talk about matchups, and we were talking a lot about in the lead up to it was like how will Derry deal with Kerry, and you, you can't escape the fact you have to deal with David Clifford. But other than that, they they were on the front foot. They really went for Kerry, you know, like, and I I didn't feel like Jerome did that, you know. I thought they were too overly concerned and. and uh, sort of cautious nearly but uh, Derry was so brave they were so frantic so intense it was really enjoyable to watch you know even from the the throw in it was just helter skelter they got a goal early they were maybe that's when you expected them to settle then they could see the goal down at the other end Um, end to end stuff my favourite point though out of all of it was Conor Doherty's uh, Derry kept the ball for ages while all of the Kerry men were behind the ball they were really patient Kerry were drifting side to side doing the whole zonal Staying back thing, and Connor still managed to work just an inch of space and getting it over. But well, I just find it interesting because commentators, when Kerry did it, it's uh, it's a set defense. It's not a blanket defense. It's only Derry and Ulster teams do blanket defenses. But I'm telling you now, the Kingdom Kerry, it was a blanket defense when they were doing that. Um, but that was just how brilliant Derry were. They had, they had Kerry properly pressed back and concerned about them, and that, the, the game was in their grasp. But what, what happened? I think again, just like in the Dublin game, the the strength of the bench. I think in that final quarter really made a difference. Stephen O'Brien coming off a ha- coming on at halftime, uh, definitely definitely made a big difference. Obviously, he got that that questionable free. You'd love to get it as a forward, but as a defender, you're 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 saying that's not a foul. But look, the the referee made it in real time, and then I think the the score of the game for me was the score he got off the left. I think um, Kerry had missed two in a row. I think Graham O'Sullivan had missed one on the right, and Tom O'Sullivan, even though he'd been scoring them all year, missed one outside the left, um, underneath the Cusick. And then for Stephen O'Brien to kick that one <coughs> off the left with three Derry boys around him, I don't think after that then Kerry looked back. They really pushed on, and Tony Brosnan coming on got a few balls, and um, yeah, they in that final quarter they just had had the edge, and Derry I think panicked a small bit, mm-hmm. took a few pot shots, and got turned over a few times, but. Uh, Shane Ryan's save in, in the second half as well was a massive, yeah. massive, massive mm-hmm. save. He had a masterclass down at us in, when we played them in Clarny as well. He's a great keeper, but um, yeah, Kerry, Kerry really showed their quality in the last in the last quarter. It was kind of panic stations at that stage when when O'Brien got that score, and it was so crucial because, as Ryan said, Graham O'Sullivan missed and Thomas O'Sullivan missed, and inside Clifford was he was getting ticked like he was like, "Come on, lads, we need to lift it here." Um, Dermot O'Connor kicked a ball out over his head and he didn't even turn to look and see where it went. He was just straight out like, lads, yeah. di- like this this game is getting away from us. Um, one of the things that stood out for me uh, about Clifford too was that, like McCaig, as a lot of defenders do, Ryan, and you'd be used to it, he went up the field at different stages trying to get Clifford to come. And Clifford did go with him now maybe every second time. There was other stages he just, he'd give Adrian Spillane the point and... I noticed that in the first half, Adrian Spillane hopped straight to it. Like, um, it's obviously a tactic cornerbacks use to try and get you out of the danger zone. Like, what is your? Do you follow him? Do you sometimes? I know you, you probably didn't have to do it against Dublin. I don't think you have to follow too many lads back, but maybe yeah, you did. Not as much, but it's really a game of cat and mouse. Really, I think when are we going to call it a blanket defense or a set defense? But yeah. um, <laughs> when when the other team is in a set defense, I'm not sure you have to follow all the time because there's going to be Bar Clifford. There was 14 numbers plus their 14 nearly at one stage the keeper wasn't even in when David was left uh, by himself but in open play I think in a turnover you have to go with the defender because it's 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 open he could go right through the middle but I think um, waiting back when there's a set defence you're nearly saying right leave me here if we turn it over it's yeah. a goal here who was it last year was it Comer against against Derry yeah. Yeah. So it's a game of cat and mouse you have to time it well but if you don't follow him and then your man goes up and scores a point yeah. or a goal you're getting an old, It's a gamble. Yeah, you're getting words from the sideline. But um, yeah, it's a game of cat and mouse. I think in the set defence, though, you can nearly say, go on off with you. Yeah. And then if we get a turnover, it's a goal. And I think that's that's sometimes a risk worth taking. Well, so, some well, cornerbacks are just devils for it. Uh, well, uh, even Garth McIlnes, I know centre-half back, but I mean, he goes for it every single time. He must be the fittest man 
I, ever, like it was insane. Nice. He was just sprinting from box to box. And he is so on the ball. He's so fast. And yeah. he's like he's selling dummies and he's going back the other way straight away. Yeah. He's so good and so quick on the ball. And every time he got the ball, like Kerry were panicking because McKinless was coming through at such pace. He, he got the first goal. He set up the one for Toner. Ryan saved the other one for him. Like what a player. And to see him stretchered off and yeah. he was blowing into the what you call it when you're the whistle, when, the whistle yeah. when you're in like and that shows how bad it was he was after kicking the ball and kind of kicked O'Shea got it away and he kicked him and could have done like serious damage to his mm-hmm. knee but lads it was unbelievable display yeah. Garrett McKinless and if David Clifford wasn't man of the match it was 100% Garrett McKinless um, BBC give him man of the match really like my man, yeah, he, he give Garrett McKinless it yeah. Brendan, Rod- Brendan Rogers was brilliant as he well. was he was Again, he's, he's been brilliant all year for Derry what did he kick yesterday Two, two I'd yeah, say yeah, yeah. he had to post as well was so unlucky yeah. there at yeah. a crucial crucial time he's very good no that's it but just on McKinless and, and being so fast and fit and direct and he was he was just he's a bit demented even like I mean I think he, he pushes himself past even his own Capabilities. Who, who's yeah. like that in the Mayo team? Like who's winning all the sprints and just demonic when it comes? You can say yourself, by the way. No, no, it's definitely <laughs> not me. But Oshin, first person, Oshin Mullen used to obviously he's in Australia now. But when he used to play six and I was at eleven, he was just gone. Obviously, because you have a line behind you, mm-hmm. it's different maybe when you're in the full back line. Um, but obviously, we've seen Dave McBride run up the pitch and scored a goal against Galway. But um, yeah, look, Dave McBride has is, is had a really good year. He's a he's just straight line from penalty spot to penalty spot and worked out for me in, in the Galway game but Paddy obviously Paddy Durkin wins the majority and Tommy wins the majority of the sprints in, in our setup. but yeah Paddy Paddy probably is most like Gareth McInnes in terms of just the power and pace do you see that run when he ran after Matthew Tierney that time mm-hmm. yes. like the I don't think there's anyone else definitely not on our team that's that's making that run back so um, yeah definitely Paddy's pretty powerful I'd say yeah. David O'Connor wins the long distance oh he does yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's some uh, some work or some animal no. like a fucking race horse <laughs> no, he is he's that like man. a stallion of a man he, mm. he's more like Brendan Rogers. like I'd say he wins yeah, the long distance yeah goes with, yeah. will not stop yeah they cover so much distance it's incredible um, there's no point in denying the fact that uh, some refereeing decisions played a, a big big part in this match um, it's so funny I was doing a, I was just tweeting sort of throughout the game and I was getting tweets I got one that was like, this referee is a, dis- a disgrace, so biased towards Derry. How did Kerry, or how did David Clifford get a yellow card? And then not two seconds <laughs> later, uh, Joe McQuillan is, is just the most biased Kerry man I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, well, the troops probably somewhere in the middle then, but there were some controversial calls. There's no way of denying it. You already touched on one there at the end, um, the foul on Stephen O'Brien. I didn't think that was a foul. To me, that was the biggest one. Derry, like... Kieran McFall was in the middle of celebrating that turnover till the crowd. He literally turned face and lifting his arms, mm-hmm. getting them roaring because it was like that Tyrone 2003 thing against Kerry, you know, the swarm. And it really felt like a big moment. And it just mm-hmm. got punctured by the whistle to say, actually, free in, Kerry take the lead, Stephen O'Brien. And um, that was a massive, massive decision. Do you, do you guys think it was a foul or what? Look, it's it's tough in real time uh, to call it a referee night. It's 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 probably the toughest toughest gig in sport. Being a referee of any of any live sport, like um, probably a bit harsh, but from from the referee's angle, he, you can see he pull he gets his hand in front and could have predicted that he pulled him down a small bit. But um, look, as a forward, you're delighted to get him. As as you said, <laughs> the Derry boys were celebrating the turnover. Yeah. But look, it's you just have to respect the decision. And Derry, I don't think that was the win and losing of the no, game. No, definitely I think. not. I think I've seen Derry at a 52% conversion rate mm-hmm. and that's not going to get it done in All-Ireland semi-final day. No. So um, I think there was definitely a lot more uh, than, than refereed decisions that, that Derry can look back on and can, can definitely improve on. No, absolutely, because I think Derry only kicked four points in the second half and that, and one of them was Shane McQuiggan's accidental point. So really, yeah. you know, they got three when it mattered most Like, and, and that's never ever going to be enough. And I don't think any of the Derry players will say that it's because of a referee decision. But another one, Niall, was German O'Connor's black card. <coughs> now, on the BBC, Osh McConville was adamant that it wasn't a black card. He says because he didn't, yeah, he pulled his leg, but he didn't pull him down. Mm. But they had Maurice Deegan, like, as part of the punditry team, mm. the, the former referee, and he says, no, it is a black card. And Mickey Hart 
said it was a black card as well and they had a bit of back and forth about that it was, it was good to watch actually um, do you have any thoughts yourself was it uh, I would say it was black card I'm going to yeah. agree with Morris Deegan if he's able if he's able to analyse that uh, in you know in the referee's room as he was yeah. and he says it's black card uh, I'm going to go with him um, but I suppose another a little bit of a harsh one too on Derry was when remember Brendan Rodgers was coming out with the ball and Sean O'Shea kind of gets him a little dig in the ribs and it spills the Clifford and Clifford was after giving that ball away yeah. himself as yeah. well and that was a killer because um, Kerry had just they'd taken over at this stage and they were they were all over Derry and I suppose the the what changed was that they they really pressed up on the kick out and Derry had to go long and Orrin Lynch went long three times in a row and Jack Barry got a fist to one I think Dermot O'Connor won another and you know this was right after as you said Ryan the Stephen O'Brien point and Carrier just taking over the game um, Jack O'Connor was given out after that it was hard with the noise that it was hard to get a message in and he was kind of calling for the Moira Ferna back but he obviously got the message in to press up and the carry forwards were just um, there was not like Orrin Lynch was he was kind of half looking to see if he could get an option for the short kick out but nobody uh, like nobody got free and I suppose I want to ask you like when you are pressing like it's easy to say we'll press as a forward line um, I'd say it is a, it's a tough enough thing to do to like press so hard that there's nobody free yeah like we I think we struggled big time in the first half of the, the Dublin game to get I think Brian Howard got three or four in the, the pocket on to, to Cluxton's right um, that day but yeah it's all about just being being together and cohesive and everyone knowing their job and uh, that's that's other than the Stephen O'Brien point that's what changed I think even the dairy manager said in his interview afterwards that the, the kickouts in the final quarter is kind of what they didn't win any of their own primary possession and then Kerry got scores off that but um, yeah look the press in Gaelic football now has gone to a really important and if you can retain your own possession from a kick out you're, you're, if you can get above 85-90% you're, you're a long way there in terms of then if, if it goes long and you lose 50% of them you're given more opportunities for the for the other team to score so yeah Kerry whatever way Jack Connor got that message on it, it definitely made an impact like would you just you'd get that call from the sideline like we're all up now and you just know what to do yeah yeah well you'd have you'd have that previously practice and training or it might even come from a midfielder behind or maybe the keeper might some there's a lot of smart lads I'd say there's a lot of smart lads on, on our team and definitely on that Kerry team as well where they might have just said look Jeremy O'Connor might have said look lads we need to press here if we get a hold of this primary possession around the middle we're going to because when Derry were getting primary possession after their own kick out in the first half, they were did they only have one or maybe two wides in the first half from mm. one mm. one what was it one eleven, um, and then when Kerry cut that out, then uh, definitely made a big difference. No, it definitely did. Um, the last sort of big talking point in, ter- in terms of like refereeing decisions, uh, Shane Ryan he came bulldozing out for a ball. He jumps midair. He wins the ball in uh, on the bounce. To be fair. And uh, both feet are in the air and he turns when he's midair and he sort of takes Shane McGuigan out of it, full frontal, runs on himself and kicks it over the bar. The referee doesn't give it as a free. Again, just watching it on the BBC, uh, Osh McConville, Michael Murphy didn't think it was a free, but again, Deegan and Mickey Hart did think that it was. And it's causing a bit of a, a, a rupture on Twitter. Where, where your thoughts lie with that one? No, I don't think. I think the referee made the correct decision there. The man in the air getting, going to get the ball has to protect himself. Um <coughs> It's nearly the duty, the care of the tackler to to figure out what he wants to do when the man lands, in, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it was a great score and it was a massive score for Kerry at the mm-hmm. time. I think Shane Ryan plays outfield for his club at home. Yes. So it was a real um, a real forward score. And after Orrin Lynch scoring in the first half, Shane Ryan might have yeah. wanted to get some get one back of his own. But, uh, no, nah, not for me. I think the, the referee made the, the correct decision there. It's definitely the modern game, both goalkeepers score. Yeah. Mm, 100%. No, um, look, just, it was it was brilliant in fairness by Kerry that, and it was, Clifford was, was he was the man of the match and deservedly so because he was the man that he kind, as Jack O'Connor said in, in that interview after the game, he was willing them on and he was like, he just, he had the look of a man that just wasn't going to lose this game mm-hmm. and even... Remember we were talking about uh, Sean O'Shea in, uh, when he intercepted Brendan Rodgers and it comes to Clifford and he's running through and Tony Brosnan's over the top Michal Burns is on the right and Michal Burns is in acres like, yeah. and I mean acres space and like I'd say uh, nearly every player in the game is given that pass just because 
it's like it's 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 right there in front of you. It's probably the clever thing to do. But Clifford was just backing himself. And I suppose that's what it is about him is he just oozes confidence um, at all times like that. Like I'm I'm going to I'm going to do this and like give me the ball and I will do the, the right thing. And I suppose that was that was the difference. Um for a finish I suppose Sean O'Shea he stepped up as well mm-hmm. and kicked some brilliant scores and he actually reminds me a small bit of you Ryan in, in his kicking in that when he takes on a, a kick it's invariably going over the bar and I suppose what I'm, what I'm going to ask is like as, as a as a kicker is it something that you I know you talked about free taking that you know it's the it's a lot about the routine like kicking from play is it something you, you focus a lot on yourself to like whether it's going out with a bag of balls, the kind of individual training that you'd have known from boxing, or is it um, is it a kind of a routine thing more so? I actually wasn't a, a big kicker in my underage. I was more of a, an assister. I wasn't racking up crazy scores when I was underage or even minor or 20 level, really. But um, in terms of individual, we don't really get that much opportunity. Yeah. I don't practice that much outside of training, just in terms of load. I've had problems with my groins in in the past due to kicking. overuse of kicking and, and free taking. And um, so like during training, I might get 10 before training. And then when maybe some of the managers are, are introducing a drill or, or going through a drill, I'll just take six or seven more and get someone else to explain it to me. And I might get 40 in a training session plus then the in-game, in-game shots. But for me, it's all just technique. I was maybe, yeah. and I'm sure there's a lot of people, young lads listening, I used to rush my shots. You watch the best kickers in the game. They sh- watch Killian O'Connor. He slows down for that last second, that last step, and it's as if there's no one around him. And sometimes you're going to get blocked down, but more often than not, you create your separation and then kick it over the bar. And uh, bar Connor McManus running full full, full. speed. <laughs> that 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 took some quality. Like they will, but if you keep doing that, they could hit the the corner flag. But for me, it was about slowing down that last second. I was just rushing shots and um, like. Speaking to the best, Jay Doc, Killian O'Connor, the best shooters that, that we've had at Mayo for years, just learning different things and getting different tips off them. But um, quality over quantity all the time. There's no point going down with a bag of balls. And uh, like I'll have plenty more time nowadays because I'm not, not training um, with the inter-county setup and I've had more time. But I wouldn't go down with 40 or 10 balls and kick 40 shots. I'd go down and kick 15 and and t- I write them down and my efficiency should be over 85%, 90% all the time rather than going down with no number. Andy Moran gave me that tip uh, a few years ago. So anyone listening, I'd definitely say go down with a number and then take that number and mark it down and then over 10 <coughs> sessions then you'll see what, what type of a percentage shooter you are. Mm-hmm. My number would be three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two out of three and it'd be a really good day. Um, it's a difference though, isn't it? To shoot no, it is, like, yeah. Because Niall Lachlan, he missed one that he probably should have got. Um, Rogers hit the post, they hit a few, mm-hmm. Derry hit the wides and when Kerry got the chances, like you knew Sean O'Shea wasn't going to miss. Stephen O'Connor, Stephen O'Brien nailed his one. Yeah. Like it comes down to that, and then, oh, Derry were very good the first. Yeah, half, in the fir- they were so clinical in the first half. That's mm. why it's nearly more often than not. It's it's whoever has the highest shot efficiency that wins the game. Yeah, like fifty two percent, as I said, Derry when we played against uh, Loud and and Cork, our shooting efficiency was fifty percent, which is not going to get it done in senior inter county football. So trying to get it above that sixty five percent is really, really important, and that's just all down to to practice and reliving their moments in training and pretending that every every shot in training is like the last kick of the game and an All-Ireland final or an All-Ireland semi-final and just nailing that moment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last thing on the Derry Carey game and is actually about a, a very good sharpshooter is Shane McGuigan. I thought he was brilliant. He, he took a lot of punishment as you said. He got a good scores, good freeze um, but that point at the end uh, the one he didn't mean to score. Philly McMahon made a really interesting uh, observation I thought on commentary. He, he like every forward does and you don't have to admit that you do it he stole a couple of extra yards just for his free kick um, but he was like he shouldn't have done that because now he's too close nearly to drop it in and it ended up going over the bar and it's the first thing Philly said and I, I thought that was, was an interesting thing he was nearly better taking steps back yeah. and, and putting a bit of fizz on it yeah look that, he just had so much time to think about if that was just taken quickly he wouldn't even thought about it mm. he just lobbed it in but he was trying to 
Well, I think what he's trying to do, I'm going to try and get height on this so someone can punch <coughs> it. And then he just, adrenaline just, just put too much. I was actually sickened watching it to, just for him. for him, like, Because yeah. he's obviously their, their star player and a quality footballer. Brilliant year again this year. But yeah, just a bit of a, a sickening one to end on. It was, it was a bit sore. He had a great game as uh, well. He was brilliant. Yeah. He was brilliant. And, you know, he'll be kicking himself for that, thinking I needed to give my teammates a chance. But look, in moments, things like that happen. Oh yeah, listen, and look, Derry will be thanking him for all he's oh, done this year and in the Ulster final and stuff like that. But uh, we'll take a quick break now to look at the Sure No Sweat Quiz. In partnership with our good friends at Sure, official statistic partners of the GAA, we're now going to look at the most eye-catching stats from the weekend. This week's winner is Dennis Kennedy, so congratulations to Dennis. And now that the dust is finally settled and we know that Dublin and Kerry will be in the All-Ireland final, what we want to know is how many times these two teams have met in the final so far. So now it's up to you, our audience, to give us the answers in this stat-related question in the comments below to be in with a chance of winning some sure theme prizes. Winners will be announced on the show next week. Okay, welcome back. And now we're going to look at Dub- Dublin's victory over Monaghan. Uh, Niall, going into this match, the narrative was, can Monaghan stay in the game? It's going to be a bit of a trouncing, you know, German O'Connor. Connolly said that he actually thinks it'll be a bit of a whipping and you know and I know a lot of people were giving out to him about that but he was probably just being as honest <coughs> as you can be and, and and like all the numbers would suggest that was going to be the case and even how the game finished I think it was a seven point difference in the end you like mm-hmm. yeah that's sort of how I would see that going but it didn't tell the story that's not what the game was like yeah that was the sickening thing that it ended up being the seven points and even though man had been so close with 60 minutes gone um you know, there was nothing in it, 12 points piece. Uh, Monaghan had put up a brilliant fight. And the thing, Desi Farrell did um, his interview after the game, like he was so respectful of Monaghan. And I think he called him the most improved team in the country. And, you know, it was clear that he was being genuine, that they were not taking Monaghan lightly. And I suppose, Ryan, you had a, you had a, you've had loads of games with Monaghan the last few years. And I suppose... Is is that the thing? Are they an underrated team? Oh, definitely. Like we um, played them in Casabard this year and lost. They were fighting for survival, and yeah, look, they have a lot of top quality players, a lot of experienced players who um, probably in their mid thirties. Uh, Carlo Con probably had a massive season again. McCarthy kicked two winners in a row there, the end of the group stages, and as I said earlier, Conor McManus rolling back the years yesterday. I hope myself it's not the last time I see him in a lot of sports. Sports people in Ireland, I hope they hope it not, but a few defenders, I'd say they'd be hoping that that it is. But um, ah, he was brilliant yesterday. He just showed class is permanent, and um, some of the scores he got were absolutely outrageous. And as well, the freeze he got in the the Armagh the Armagh game as well when he came on was was outrageous. But um, yeah, man, and they're definitely they they're nearly overachieving. I think they they weren't expected to to do much at all, and definitely put it up to Dublin. The seven points, as you said, did did not tell the story they were right right bang in the game but Dublin's Dublin's strength and depth came into came into play in the final quarter yeah and like it, it's it's testament to Conor McManus that you know Dublin win this game and yet he's the biggest talking point you know and it, it shouldn't even be what well, Conor McManus plays well that's hardly a surprise he's been doing it for like 15 years more so um but it's just you just can't get sick of watching him. You know, oh. he's just he just oozes class, and and you know, like his age profile would probably make too much out of it. Like I'd say, a lot of the times he was dropped this year is because he was carrying injuries. You know, Vinnie Corey was was honest about that. Like more often than not, if you're picking your best Monaghan team, he will be starting. <coughs> and he played the full seventy minutes, and he didn't look any slower than than you would expect um, him to be. W- what's it? I mean, co- getting older. I mean, you're you're still in in your prime, you're fairly young. Um, but do you think? Knowing the demands of intercounty football, that in twelve years' time, which I think would bring you to thirty five, thirty six, you could still be doing it. No, really, no, not with the like. I was chatting to Jason Doherty after our game against Dublin. Like, and I think he came. He is fourteen done, and I was just I asked him that exact question. Like, was it different back in two thousand and ten or eleven to what it is now? And he said it's like chalk and cheese. Like they weren't doing. Like it just wasn't that demanding, as demanding mm-hmm. a, as it is now. He said he would definitely not have been able to do 14 years of what he's done for the past. Now he's done a double crucial as well on top of that, and to come back from what he's come back is to, is remarkable. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, like 12 years of what we're doing right now, I don't think is is um, 
is realistic to be honest mm -hmm. it's uh it's so demanding it's 10 9 10 months of the year um like and the effort and the sacrifices and the 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 sacrifices i'm making and i know my teammates are making to to perform at the top level um i'm not sure 12 years i don't know <laughs> don't think it's going to going to last that long but um but yeah look what what conor mcmanus has done over the past 15 years or so has been i think there was a stat i seen did he score in every single championship man and championship game since he made his debut he's burned the think yeah. like, like a, but even not to to miss a game yeah like to injury i think it mm. is something you know she has something similar yeah, yeah. in terms of um his availability i think he's missed <coughs> one leitrim game mm -hmm. in his in his since whatever 2008 or 9 whenever he came in like so um it just that alone is incredible just to be available for for them how did it, how did them lads do it like donald yeah. keogan was the same uh, yeah. with me the weekend i think He's, I think it's over 150 appearances he has. He's never missed a championship game since the debut in 2012. Like, I suppose sometimes for them lads, it probably is, and you maybe see it with Aidan O'Shea, that it is just mind over matter when he mm -hmm. has a knock on yep. playing. Yeah, possibly. And uh, you have to have a bit of luck involved too. And um, maybe the condensed season now, if it was like that back then, you mightn't, sure they had six weeks off after the league campaign mm -hmm. back in the day, you know. It wasn't that long ago, but... Uh, but no, yeah, it's just like the effort and the the time that goes into recovery and minding your body and maybe not going out for a game of golf on a Monday after a game on a Sunday, just staying in and getting ready for Wednesday at training. Just the small things, the respect that that them boys need to be shown for the 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 service they've given to their counties is is unbelievable. It's it's even more so because like you're Conor McManus, you're Aidan O'Shea. It's not like you're invisible in those games. You're targeted. You know, it, I mean, picked on, double Correct. man marked, you know, get this guy out of the game. It's nearly the goal of some defenders, you know, like, and they're still, you know, yeah. that they're doing it and still performing. It's absolutely incredible. But there's a few old guards on the Dublin team too <coughs> now. There's a lot of old guards, actually. They all came back, big, get the band back together. <coughs> um, I think one of the biggest differences, definitely, especially coming off the bench, was Jack McCaffrey. Even just seeing him coming off the bench, I'd say Monaghan players just look over and go, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's such a tough thing to see, I'd say, when you're going, you're kind of hanging into a game there, you're 12-all. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact score was when McCaffrey came on, but uh, nightmare to see a lad like him coming on. Um, you mentioned the band coming back together. What was it Jack O'Connor said after the game? He said... Uh, do you know, they didn't bring all these lads back, back for the crack. The crack. Yeah. Like, do you know, <laughs> uh, Pat Gilroy and, and and all as well. Um, but I suppose, like, you can see it. James McCarthy is another one of those lads. He's probably rarely missed a game as well. Um, I'd say unbelievable. Um, but for me, one man I think that isn't getting the credit he deserves now. And he's, I'm going to make a, a claim here and say that this is the man that is vying for Footballer of the Year with David Clifford and I'm just going to say it's going to be a shootout in the All-Ireland Final is between David Clifford and Cormac Oslo. and mm -hmm. I know he was man of the match at the weekend um, so as people could accuse me of a bit of recency bias but I think watching Dublin um, a lot of this year I think Costello has been the main man in the forwards he's been their most clinical forward and when he gets the ball in previous years, he, he was, he'd be guilty of maybe running down a blind alley or hitting a few wides. But this year, he has been so clinical. <clears throat> and I was looking at the stats for it. In the real big games, he's, he's missed a few games because he had a heel injury that ruled him out of a few of their group games um, in, in the championship. And he missed a few in the league too. But in the big games Dublin played, like the one up in Derry when they lost, he, was, he kicked five points that day, um, two from play against Roscommon in the championship probably their, their toughest group game that they had. He kicked seven that day, um, three from play. He set up the goal against Mayo and kicked two brilliant scores from play. And the, again, at the weekend, the points he kicked, the composure he's shown on the ball, um, I think has been has been hugely underrated. And I think he's like stood out ahead, a good bit ahead of O'Callaghan and Mannion this year in that he has become the main man of that team. I'm not sure what you think, Brian. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And Basquell definitely deserves a shout-out as well. He's been brilliant this year. I think top scorer in the Championship this year. He is. Plays, He's yeah. hanging on, I think, from he, Clifford now from, at this yeah, stage. After yeah. yesterday. But, um, yeah, look, Dublin's Dublin's forwards, especially bringing back the three boys in Cluxton and Mannion and Jack McCaffrey has really bolstered their squad. Like So, um, yeah, 
Cormac Coslow again on Saturday was brilliant. Some of his scores in the first half were, were outrageous and I think his shooting accuracy must be up close to nearly 100% now at this rate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, when you have Con Cormac and Pascal doing well, you know, very rarely going to have three brilliant man markers. So whichever one they don't take care of, he's mm. going to shoot the lights out. Um, and, and that's what's been happening in the past couple of games. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, like, and actually, really interesting on, on Cormac Costello. Uh, Dean Rockymon with a few minutes left to go, and they got a free kick, and Cormac had been taking them all day, and he mm. gave it to Dean. And just so I'm just going to put you in a similar situation. You've been taking the frees all day, scoring them, and Killian O'Connor comes off the bench for the last couple of minutes. Are you giving it to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, like not if I've been. I don't know. Yeah, I said that to my brother at home. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought it was strange. Yeah. I don't know, maybe he wants to get the, the scores up. He's second, I think, in the current list behind Killian, uh, mm. Dean Rock. But yeah, I, I spotted that myself. Uh, I said to the brother, I wonder what the... Cormac was coming off. Did he come off as soon as that score was kicked? Maybe. So, so. maybe he had been told. But yeah, I did think about that myself. Yeah. But look, if, if the manager told me, look, when Killian comes on, he's freeze. But yeah. more often than not, um, whoever is on them from the start he mm. nearly, if he's doing well well it goes back to that routine thing doesn't yeah, it yeah. Like you're, on, you're in routine at that stage so. but maybe like Dean Rock's probably up there with Killian as the best free taker free mm. taker ever most accurate definitely the two of them so um, yeah look maybe that, that was an agreement yeah. between uh, Desi Farrell and the two boys yeah uh, just on Dublin forwards what was interesting uh, they actually you named all them brilliant players and that's because that's what they are but they did struggle in the first half and they nearly actually played too many Inside forwards, do, do you know what I mean? Like they like overloaded it. They didn't have enough like working players. It, it was we always say it's the opposite. You know, the the working half forwards get positions over the the natural players. But it was like Paul Mannion, Colin Pascal, Conor Callahan, like Paddy Small plays like on the inside for his club. Um, Cormac Costello, that's the one we just mentioned. And like they, they needed Kieran Kilkenny to come on. Yeah, but and Scully went off from so yeah. really the, the boys nearly waited on. But I think the the man and backs had to get a lot of credit for for keeping them at bay. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of sharpshooters there. And I think Paddy Small kicked one off the right in in the first half as well. But um, yeah, Kieran Kilkenny as you said coming on. Imagine having him on on the bench to to come on. Yeah. And and McCaffrey as well. But um, yeah, it's going to be going to be a cracker in two weeks. Hundred percent. You watched um. Or we mentioned the old guard coming back, and I suppose one of the most impressive of them was uh, Mick Fitzsimons in the defence, mm-hmm. getting in these blocks and just as good as ever. And I suppose he's always um, he's always just so tight, and it's very hard to get the better of him. I'm not sure which Dublin back were you marking when when you played him this year. Merchant in the first half, and then he went off injured first ten minutes, I think, in the second yeah. half, and then. Fitzsimons and Tommy, yeah. He's good player. He's good player. tight. Yeah, he's a good player. He's strong. His recovery pace is, like when McManus turned them inside in the first yeah. half, his recovery pace to get back the block yeah. uh, was probably the best defensive thing in in that game. Uh, but no, yeah, he's, he's a really good player. Merchant then is nearly a different kettle of fish. Correct, yeah. He likes playing. He likes being out in front. I think he won the first ball out in front uh, on me that day. But yeah, you just have to get used to playing a lot of different players. Jack Coyne is the same, nice and tight like Fitzsimons. And then Leroy used to be different as well. So you just have to, um, like you do your homework on on the video analysis beforehand and just try and pick their weaknesses and see. Some of them don't have many weaknesses, but you just got to try and back yourself then and double down on your own attributes and um, and see if you can get the better of them. That moment you talk about uh, Fitzsimons and Conor McManus, where Conor McManus gets the ball, spins him, like uses his body to shield it, rotates around like a real moment of brilliant genius. And then Fitzsimmons uses all of his like guile and experience and pace uh, to get goal side of him and, and he gets the tackle in. That that was a brilliant battle because we talked about Chrissy McKeg and, and David Clifford, but Conor McManus v Fitzsimmons, um, it was fantastic. What, what was it like watching it from the stands, especially in the second half? Did you see McManus won a free off him and then he just gave him a, a sort of a, a smile as if to be like, a, and, he, and Fitzsimmons is like, can't believe it <laughs> fell for that nearly, you know. Yeah. It was just such a, there was so much respect between them, but I mean, they were going hammers and tongs. Yeah, sure, nearly 70 years between them, like the two of them, such stalwarts have been there for... They'll thank you for that. They've been there like the the, the whole way through and their teammates would rely on them so much. I'd say it was unbelievable to watch. I didn't actually see it because I was, we had a match ourselves Saturday evening, so I only seen the replay, oh, but um, no, I'd say it was brilliant to watch. The oh, two, the, the two of the greats, like, yeah, 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 and it's just, it's just class to get the to see them on the grand stage because 
just football championship this season in general, um, a bit of a slow burner. And then the last week of the group stages was unbelievable in terms of excitement and ups and downs. And then the, the preliminary quarterfinals was crazy good. Then the actual quarterfinals, the draw was like mouthwatering, but the games themselves probably didn't live up to it. And then the semi-finals, the draw was a bit disappointing. People were like, oh, it's going to be one-sided. But then the games were fantastic. Like, where where is Gaelic football at at the minute? Is it in a healthy place? Is it dying and not good to watch? Or where, what do you think, Ryan? No, I don't think. I think every player is going to say they'd rather play matches over, over games. But I do think the condensed season is tough on players in terms of injuries. Like, a few boys picking up injuries. Maybe the first round of the group stage, you might be out until the semi-final with a if you ping your hammer or something like that for five or six weeks but um yeah the three weeks in a row as i said earlier it's it, if that if that could be changed i think a lot of players would advocate for that um obviously it's a big punishment to not top your group and then have to play three weeks in a row and then play arguably the best team who topped their group then at the end of that three weeks but um i know i think like we've some some great footballers at, at great forwards great backs in our game exciting exciting players coming through and um, yeah, I think football's in, in a really good place mm-hmm. and uh, we'll just very quickly uh, finish off with a round up with the Talchian Cup final me they're the champions and afterwards Colm O'Rourke was in fantastic form Niall. now I know you speak Latin so <laughs> you'll understand this after the match he quoted a line from the poem uh, by Horace whenever the Romans defeated Cleopatra and he said I'm going to butcher this obviously nunc est bebendum which means now is the time for drinking. Of course, he, this yeah. man, he's like a priest. He, uh, Colm Rourke is brilliant, isn't he? Like, yeah. I, I love him when, when, the mi- when the microphone comes, is in front of his face. He, he could just stay talking forever, I'd say. And uh, he was obviously in great form after the weekend and the win that Mead had. And I was just great stuff seeing him and Sean Boylan out in the field after yeah. the, you know, them lads having won. Colm having won All-Irelands as a player under Sean Bylan back in the 80s and 90s and you know they're back again and it's Mead's first win since that controversial Leinster final in 2010 like and um, it obviously is the, the, ta- the second grade and at times like we were sitting here maybe a month two months ago and you're like and who was it said it Joe Brawley I think had a tweet up saying that you know, Colm Rourke was looked on as as a, a, dino, a dinosaur in yeah. Gaelic football, and people were writing me off and saying, even coming into this game, that down are the modern team. But uh, me, it was it was back to the old days. What well, it was the size, the two boys midfield, Jack Flynn, I'd say, is about six three, and Conor Gray, I think, is about six six, and uh, they horsed down out of it. Yeah, I mean, and. All credit to Colm O'Rourke. He really, really used the Talchin Cup. Like That's not where Mead wanted to be. They wanted to be playing in the Sam Maguire, a massive football in county. But when they were pushed into the Talchin Cup, they really attacked it, rotated the squad nearly every game. He was giving debuts to some young lads. Now they've got experience in Crook Park. They've got a trophy under the belt. Like, what What do you think of the Talchin Cup and just the idea of having a second-tier competition? Yeah, look, I definitely agree with it. The like players that train all, all year round and then go out maybe and, and get hammered against um against another team it's just disheartening after all the the work you've put in so i definitely think like all spec all spectators want a good game of football to watch and they don't want one-sided affairs so um to watch the Helton cup a lot a lot of good games close games and i'd have a soft spot for down my mother's from brinesford up and down so uh, i was willing them on 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 saturday evening but yeah mead mead's done brilliant and some of the subs Colm O'Rourke made I think they kicked maybe six points between the two the, the two lads who came on and um, yeah yeah no I definitely definitely think the Talton Cup is good and it's better for the game and now me there's something to, to look forward to in Sam Maguire they know they're going in and they have that, that ticket well and truly got now mm-hmm. and Down will be disappointed Niall because after the semi-final against Leash they nearly had two perfect a performance like it's hard to work on anything mm-hmm. after that Um they were just sort of, you know, indecisive. Yeah, they were indecisive. No one wanted to take the goal shot. Like I know that they leaked a a, a crazy, bizarre, weird goal. Yeah, and and it dropped short, came off a knee, and no one made in the game. Yeah, they were struggling there at that time. Um, but isn't that what Desi Farrell said? Semi-finals are there to be won. Yeah, maybe maybe down were too good in their in their semi-final that they should have just yeah. you know they should have only beaten should have only scored two goals against yeah, Leeds. Yeah, let them concede some, and they'd have had a better. Uh, 
clean, clean through on goal and just pop it over. Uh, we leave that for the yeah. final. Yeah, the semi-finals are there to be won. That's it, yeah. <laughs> well, they won their semi-final. You can give them that. Um, okay, well, we're going to finish up very soon, but just last word to Ryan. Who will win the All-Ireland final? Yeah, look, it's going to be a great spectacle. Um, for me, I'd be tipping Kerry, probably just because of David Clifford, I think. Um, he just, again, yesterday was the difference, but... It's going to be the fi- the semi final last year was was brilliant. Obviously, Shawnee kicked the the free at the end to win it. But um, fortunately, I wish it was Mayo. I wish um, I wasn't here and I was getting ready for an All Ireland <laughs> two weeks. But look, that's not the case. But um, yeah, no, it should be it should be another cracker. And it's probably the most the two most informed teams of of the year. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. I hope it's a hope it's a good game and may the best team win. Well, we're really happy that you're here anyway, Ryan. And, uh, <laughs> me thanks, too, me too. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming on to the show and thanks to Niall for coming on as well. And thanks to our sponsors, Sure 72 Yard Protection. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Sure 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.